Welcome to the GUT Podcast. I'm Mary McQueen, Senior Lecturer and Consultant in Gastroenterology at the University of Aberdeen, Scotland, UK, and current visiting research fellow at the National Cancer Institute in the USA. In my capacity as Education Editor, I'm hosting this podcast today. Today we're discussing the Editor's Choice Manuscript from the October issue of GUT, entitled A Systematic Approach to Therapeutic Target Selection in Esophageal Gastric Cancer. This is presented by Professor Rebecca Fitzgerald's group and collaborators and was carried out in the MRC Cancer Cell Unit and Department of Pathology within Addenbrooke's Hospital in Cambridge in the UK. I'm delighted to welcome two authors here today, Professor Rebecca Fitzgerald and Dr Anna Patterson. Welcome to the podcast. Well, your paper assesses the application of molecularly targeted therapy for esophageal gastric cancer. Can you remind us of the global burden of this particular disease and why you chose this cancer as a focus of your study? Thank you. Um, This is Rebecca Fitzgerald and um, I'm the principal investigator for this study. And we particularly focus in our laboratory on esophageal and gastric cancer. And the reason that we're so interested in these cancers is that combined, they're a major cause of cancer incidence and death worldwide, responsible for over a million cases per annum. And in fact, by 2030, gastric cancer is predicted to be the 10th leading cause of global mortality. And a a big problem with these cancers is that they tend to present very late in their course. So the tumour can be slowly growing before the patient perceives any symptoms. And by by the time that the patient presents with swallowing difficulties or dysphagia, and often the tumour is quite advanced and already spreading to, uh, through the wall of the esophagus and invading lymph nodes. And therefore, even with um, advent of modern therapy, with um, oncological neoadjuvant therapy, with chemotherapy, sometimes combined with radiotherapy, followed by surgery, the outcomes are really still very poor with uh, less than 16% five-year mortality. So for that reason, we're interested in how we can better select molecularly targeted therapies which are becoming really the kind of focus of of modern cancer therapy these days but still the results have been somewhat disappointing I'd say in really improving patient survival. So initially you identified cell signaling pathways that were most frequently activated in esophageal gastric malignancy. How did you explore this and what was the outcome? Hello so I'm Anna Patterson I was the first author on this paper. So we performed expression analysis using RNA from 75 tumours and undertook um, HOPAC clustering, clustering the samples based on which signaling pathways, as defined by the KEG and BioCarta databases, um, were enriched, had enriched expression as a whole, rather than looking at the expression of individual targets. The MAP kinase pathway was the most frequently enriched, seen in 43% of our samples, um, whilst other enriched pathways included those related to insulin signaling, the WINT pathway, and from the ERB family of receptors. So the mitogen-activated protein kinase or MAPK pathway was identified as the primary focus for the remainder of your study. Can you remind us about the function and regulation of this pathway in a normal cell and the consequences of deranged activation in malignancy? So the MAP kinase pathway is normally very tightly regulated. and It's activated by a number of surface receptors, including receptor-tizing kinase. Its activation can result in a range of effects depending on the context, such as increased proliferation, resistance to apoptosis, angiogenesis, changes in cell adhesion, and enhanced motility. So this will allow a tumour cell to acquire multiple hallmarks of cancer if its activation becomes deranged. 
You confirmed activation of this pathway is associated with esophageal gastric cancer using tissue from over 400 human tissue samples. Tell us more about this. So we assess the phosphorylation status of ERK, one of the proteins on the pathway, as a surrogate marker for activation of the pathway in 434 tumours using immunohistochemistry. 34% of these tumours showed high-level phosphorylation of ERK, suggesting that the MAP kinase pathway activation is indeed highly prevalent in esophagogastric cancers. You then used an in vitro approach using cell lines and an array to assess activation of receptor tyrosine kinases, and this allowed you to investigate whether function of this pathway could be altered with consequences on the cell that could be therapeutically useful. Can you explain more about this and the conclusion that you reached? So one of the most important ways by which the MAP kinase pathway is activated is the constitutive activation of receptor tyrosine kinases, and this can be by gene amplification, gene fusion, or point mutations. So we therefore investigated the phosphorylation status of 42 different receptor tyrosine kinases as a marker of their activation in 14 esophageal and gastric cell lines. Five of our cell lines had multiple constitutively active receptor tyrosine kinases, and we were able to show that if the most active receptor in each case was targeted using a specific tyrosine kinase inhibitor, we were able to induce a rapid cell cycle arrest followed by apoptosis of the cells. So how did you then extrapolate these findings to patient samples? So finally, we wanted to investigate whether we could detect receptor tyrosine kinase phosphorylation in patient samples. So we took 46 snap frozen or fresh tumour samples, extracted the protein and hybridised the protein to the same arrays that we'd used in cell line work. We were able to detect phosphorylation of one or more receptor tyrosine kinases in 83% of human samples, with 37% of cases having multiple active receptor tyrosine kinases. Therefore, a proportion of these tumours were also potentially dependent on constitutively active receptor tyrosine kinases in a similar way to the cell lines. So overall, what were the strengths and the limitations of this study? So this is Rebecca Fitzgerald just reflecting on this, and I think one of the sort of more unique aspects of this study was that we moved between in vitro observations on cell lines and patient material. And we had a very clinical um, goal. So we wanted to really go beyond just showing that this was a feasible approach um, in cell line material and take this on to, to patients where it was going to be much more tricky given that the arrays need quite a lot of protein. So I think we were able to show um, using patient material that receptor tyrosine kinase arrays are clinically ap applicable and that this gives you know a readout of the overall status of that pathway without having to drill down on every particular mechanism by which the pathway is dysregulated so you get an overview and we feel that this could be a clinically applicable approach for the future. There were some study limitations as well um, the study was retrospective in nature, so we were looking back on patients for whom we had receptive material. We weren't doing this in real time, and we weren't acting on the information. We didn't in introduce any therapeutic intervention. And we do need a lot of protein materials to do these um, arrays, so one to two um, milligrams of protein. So we could manage to extract, extract that from resection specimens, but if we were going to really use this in a clinically applicable way, the assay would really have to be fine-tuned so that it could be applied for smaller amounts of protein that you could get from a diagnostic biopsy. So is this work continuing? What's the future direction of this research? 
So I think this work is sort of the, the starting point to say that this could be an approach um, for, to improve patient management. So one could try and introduce assays of phosphorylation status into clinical research and try to predict which patients would respond to specific tyrosine kinase inhibitors. And so that's something we'd like to pursue. But as I mentioned, the, the next step really would be to see how you could modify this approach for dealing with smaller amounts of starting material from a biopsy. So just to finish up, can you discuss the potential application of this work in a clinical setting and potential benefits of, the, of this approach? So how we would see this uh, being rolled out in practice would be that in a patient you've diagnosed with an esophageal gastric cancer, you were starting to um, work them up for therapy and you have a, a choice of molecularly targeted agents, you ideally want to have as much confidence as possible that the patient is going to respond to that agent and, and that you can pick the right agent ahead of time. And therefore, one would take a biopsy from a patient, extract the protein and run the um, receptor tyrosine kinase array to try and inform that choice. So I think this could potentially help select therapy in a more specific and targeted way and help reduce the patients who are exposed to these targeted agents with no benefit, which obviously you know, exposes the patient to unnecessary drug and also has cost implications for the health service. Well, that brings us to the end of today's podcast. I'd like to thank both Professor Rebecca Fitzgerald and Dr Anna Patterson for joining me today. Thank you very much. Thank you.